1: How I do Let go of a prayer for you Just a sweet word Hello and welcome to another episode of the Discourse on the Playlist Podcast Network, the show where we discuss film news, reviews, any, any other pertinent pop culture items that we feel the need to weigh in on. I'm Ryan Oliver and today with me I have a special guest, a returning guest. She is the director of programming for the Austin Asian American Film Festival and also a contributor to the Austin Chronicle, Jenny Knolf, Welcome back to the Discourse.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for coming on. We have um, a lot to talk about, and hopefully we won't go too long because we don't have just one or two movies. We have five movies to discuss uh, today. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and yet somehow they decided that uh, like six new releases over one weekend should should still be the thing. Um, I don't know why, um, but we're going to be discussing five of those six movies, uh, the six movie being greyhound that neither of us saw um so figure sorry all you greyhound fans just figured i'd let you know up front that we will not be discussing that movie um but we have sorry a lot to
0: t- tom hanks
1: yes sorry sorry <laughs> sorry dad sorry america's dad we still love you but the movie just does not pique uh, either of our interests so we are not discussing it um but we're gonna we're gonna chug along here. But uh, before we get started, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. This show, of course, is a part of Playlist Podcast Network. So if you enjoy this show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcatcher of choice—be it iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio—and you'll get this show as well as our other programs, including Be Real, Indie Beat, The Fourth Wall, and anything else that pops up on the feed from time to time. And so with that out of the way, let's go forward. Um, So I I guess the first two movies we're going to talk about um, share, I mean, not too much DNA, but they are the two, I guess, sort of bigger movies. And they're on the two um, streaming services that most people have. Um, So we're going to start, I I think we're going to go ahead and start with The Old Guard, uh, which came out uh, this last Friday on Netflix. Um, this is the uh, latest film from Gina Prince-Bythewood, who did films such as Love and Basketball and Beyond the Lights. Uh, it's written by Greg Rucka, and it's based on uh, a graphic novel series that he had done. And it's essentially about a, a team of uh, immortals who, are, um, who suddenly are exposed and now must have to, have to kind of cover their tracks. Uh, in the midst of all of that, they discover a, a new immortal who has similar powers to them, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll pass the, the ball to you um, and, and just ask what you thought of, of the old guard.
0: Well, I, kinda, I liked it. Fine. I think fine is the key word here because I really like Gina Prince-Bythewood. I've loved Beyond the Lights since I watched it for the first time, which I think was like five years ago or something at this point. It was a long time ago. And it's, she's usually... Blah, blah, blah. It's easily one of my favorite films directed by a woman, that movie in particular, and made me realize that Goo, Goo and Bath and Batha was such a powerhouse. And I recently watched Love and Basketball and really loved that as well. And the old guard just, it's fine. She, she has her nice touches with the romance and like the character kind of friendship building sometimes. Uh, but other, than, and the action is clean. Um, I noticed that one of the two cinematographers, which is really strange, this film has two cinematographers, uh is the dis- usual one for katherine bigelow so that explains a lot of the clean action i felt but overall it just felt like a stale ya kind of superhero movie what yeah. were your thoughts yeah <laughs> uh,
1: yeah and and uh you actually you mentioned that off mic to me about like the the sort of um the sort of, like, YA feel of the movie, and um, I didn't really think of that while I was watching it, but um, after you mentioned that, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, it totally, totally feels like that, Um, just from the standpoint of, like, uh, it does feel, um, I mean, thematically, it feels very YA, and there's all these sort of disparate elements that feel like they're setting up for, uh, for more things, uh, for a sequel, which this movie was a, a apparently a pretty big hit for Netflix, so that sequel probably will happen if if um, if the creators will it to happen, um, and it makes sense because it is a graphic novel series. Um, yeah, I uh, first off, I guess before I say anything, um, I, I recently just caught up with um, the two movies um, that that we mentioned, Love and Basketball, and Beyond the Lights and uh I like them. I like them quite a bit. Uh, I think she has a really really good um she's really great with performances. she's really good with characters um especially like two movies like that that could easily i feel like in in wrong hands get bogged down in like certain melodramatic elements, but they all feel so like real and and um and personal and she's I I just think she's a she's a very strong director and I'm happy um this movie seems to be getting a lot of there's there was a lot of hype surrounding the movie prior and I think that's a common thread through all five of the movies we're going to discuss um is they were all pretty hyped up prior to their respective releases and um that's not necessarily a bad thing and and especially because given this the current state of the world um you know, these movies aren't sharing the same space as, you know, I don't remember what was supposed to come out this weekend, if we were living in the alternate timeline where there was no pandemic. Jungle Cruise, maybe, I don't know. But like, these movies aren't, these movies aren't fighting for the same space. They are in, they are that space now. And so like, I'm fine with people hyping them up and getting people to watch them because no one else has anything better to do. Um, So I'm happy, I'm happy for, her and i'm happy that people are enjoying it um but i will say i did not enjoy this movie um really at all um i will agree that i think the action is is fairly clean i think especially that um, the centerpiece sequence um in a church i think was pretty pretty solid but other than that i just i i was not interested like the story didn't really interest me um there's a there could be, uh, I feel like there's just, there's a lot of fascinating elements. I mean, the fact that these characters are immortal and they've lived a long time um, and that they're sort of like dealing with the weight of having to live that long and the blood that they've shed and all this. But I just don't feel it's done in a way that really interests me, interested me too much. It's like, it gets bogged down in a ton of exposition. Um, and yeah, it just, um Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm sure we'll we'll branch Uh, out. But it it really didn't, uh, this movie just didn't do much for me, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, yeah, I'll pass back to you.
0: No, yeah, I mean, I think I understand how you feel because it, when I say it's like a YA novel, it also feels like the first movie in a YA series that they have to like give you all the exposition that they usually would give in a comic book that sets up the story, but it's also a superhero story. So we kind of know the beats already a little bit. Um, especially one thing that I didn't like that I think is an ultra cliche that I have to admit my partner kind of pointed out is that the, the semi-villain who is played by, uh, Chiwetel he, he, death is what makes him a villain originally, which a lot of villains use that. And then you have the superhero character who also has had as like a main death that is played by Kiki Lane. And to an extent, Charlie's theron, and like anyone that's actually in the immortal group, like Booker as well kind of gets into it. but you have that dichotomy of like death is fueling these people, but why does it always have to be death?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a valid point it always does seem to be like the the tragic the tragic villain or the tragic hero um you know it's a it's a um you know it's a it's a huge cliche, and that doesn't automatically make it bad but it just like it is i i agree and i think that is something that that because there's no real if everybody has the same sort of like tragic backstory or the same sort of thing that's driving them like what makes them interesting um and and i think that's that's um a, a big big problem in this movie um is that that uh, you know? There, even if some of the actors, I think they they have their moments and they sell them. You know, specifically, I mean, because I mean, Charlie's Charlie's is good, and Kiki Lane is good, and Chutal Azizfor is is good. Like he has one scene in particular, but it is just like kind of the, it's kind of expected for a movie like this. I guess his, without spoiling anything, at least has a more kind of an interesting. His arc is a little bit more interesting, I guess, maybe more so than the like true villain of the move, movie the <laughs> played by Dudley Dursley I don't remember the actor's name but.
0: uh Harry Melling I had to look it up it's really funny because he's recently become like a hot thing I think for a lot of uh I would I would say like auteur-ish directors like he was in a Coen Brothers movie he was in Lost right. City of Z or Zed um and he's actually a very good actor
1: yeah he was that i, I now that you mentioned it, I forgot he was in um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the, the yeah. Coen Brothers movie you're talking about, and that was probably one of the better shorts of that movie, if if my memory serves me correctly. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, and, and so it's, it's unfortunate that he, here, he's saddled with, like, the total, like, corporate chill, cartoonish, like, villain, uh, like, totally kind of, like, you know sniveling zuckerbergish from the start you know no real and and it's like it's it's one of those like big performances that could work in I don't know like a Verhoeven movie or something like that but like it just it's kind of like a, a it doesn't mesh well with the rest of the tone of the movie which is surprisingly pretty like somber which I didn't mind uh so much actually I actually didn't mind that at all because it it didn't um you know for being based on a graphic novel series it's not like super obnoxious which some of the more like I I think of like Kick-Ass or Sin City like one of Mm. those that are just kind of like obnoxious in tone or over stylized and so I kind of appreciated that this one is a little bit more grounded um, but it also made it just a little bit more like I, I just I was waiting for that I don't know how to describe it but just something to take it to the next level and it never really got there for me.
0: Yeah I actually feel like I'm more excited for a sequel to this than I was the actual first film because I like the sequel they set up and like the idea of exploring that this potential villain she was locked in the ocean for like 500 years and how crazy she might be at this point.
1: I was thinking the same thing and and like yeah without you know it's Spoiling too much it 's like, yeah, there is a post credit stinger in this, which is you know not uncommon you you laid it out perfectly. This is a superhero movie, and you know just about any superhero movie you 'd see in a movie theater has a post credit stinger that sets up for the next movie um, and uh, I hundred percent agree I think what this what this is setting up for is inherently more interesting than the movie that we got um, and I guess you know it makes sense it 's an origin story, but um, it just, yeah. It just, it just, um, yeah. Just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't do much for me. I guess.
0: Yeah, and that's like the funny thing too is like the parts of the movie that I think I mentioned I really liked were like the Joe and Nikki moments, where they were clearly in love and they would like mention these offhanded things like "Let's go back to Italy" or something, and I was like, "I want to watch a movie with you both in Italy."
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah.
0: Or like um, the flashback with Quinn and uh, Charlize's character Andy where they're separated i was like well this all all this stuff is cool like i want to see this movie
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and that's the thing it's like all the side characters they're they have their they have inklings of agency and dimension like the like that you see the the potential there but it just yeah i think it just it, it it for a movie that's pretty like grounded and sort of like glacially paced as this movie is it's also really cluttered and busy at least from like a story and character perspective it's just like there's so many characters to introduce um and they and and um and and yeah and so they 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 use a lot of shorthand and they they introduce them in way like they introduce potentially interesting characters but you know we items that kind of like you mentioned that will probably play out in a sequel but they don't do too much in the service of the the movie that we're watching
0: yeah I think that I would much I'm more hyped for a sequel than I actually was for this movie which is a strange and weird thing because that usually doesn't happen where I watch something and then I'm like oh yeah I just want the next one now
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's usually that's always been my like you know one of my you know, I, I like a fair amount of like MCU movies, but that's all a, has been a, a longstanding criticism I have with that series is is it's like, I often feel like I'm watching a trailer for the next thing that's coming. Like very few of those feel like they're the actual movie that you're here to watch, um, which is, uh, you know, mentioning that i did want to mention uh there was a, a report today well a couple of reports um in, in regards to prince prince bythewood but uh one of them uh apparently she was she was turned down by marvel to make a movie which really frustrates me to no end hearing that um for one um you know the action sequences in this movie uh they didn't they didn't, like, wow me, but they are very clean. Um, and, you know, for someone who's never made an action movie before, uh, I think she handles herself very, very well. Um, but let's say for the sake of argument she didn't, all those Marvel movies are – or or any of those, like, sort of, like, big tentpole movies, a lot of them anyway, um, are pre vised you know? It's not like – it's not like um, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck were hired – for their astute VFX work in Half Nelson to direct Captain Marvel you know yeah, there, no kidding. <laughs> there there was you know there exactly there was i think it was the hollywood reporter there was like a report a couple years ago where they talked about those like franchise machines where they plucked independent filmmakers because of their expertise and strength with character and story and then everything else was pre-vised out And so it's just kind of like, well, she's great with character and story. So I don't know what happened there. Um,
0: It's because she's a black woman. That's what happened there.
1: I I mean, that's probably the case. And that means, you know, for, for, yeah, I mean.
0: I mean, just think about it. Love and Basketball, you watched that. That was made in 2000. It's a really good movie. She didn't get to make another film. She works mostly in TV. I noticed, um, going through her internet meat database, but she didn't get to make another milk until 2008. That's eight years difference. It's, and then after that, 2014.
1: It's, and now 2020, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm hoping, I mean, a lot needs to change in this industry in all facets. And, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping things turn for the better, um, at least at this moment, I feel like she's getting the last laugh a little bit, just given from the standpoint of the reception of this movie, the fact that the sequel will probably be greenlit any day now. And it just, uh, just came out today that she's going to make uh woman King with Viola Davis over at Tristar. Um, so that's her next movie in the, in the, in the can or not in the can clearly, but like it's, it's the next movie she's going to be working on. So, um, so, you know, I, I think she gets the last laugh um, for sure but uh yeah when I read that uh report today about the the Marvel thing I was I was (laughs) I was very I was wringing my hands about that a little bit I'm like oh come on oh come on
0: yeah it's I almost wonder if it's because they were afraid because some of the elements in this movie like there's a there's a gay couple there's clearly a black woman superhero like at the same level as Charlize and it just there's a lot of elements and then on top of that Charlize is the main character she's a woman so it's I think there's a lot of things in here that maybe she is more bold to put in and that Marvel was not potentially ready for like an actor or a director to even like think about these things.
1: That's probably the case, um, you know, because they have their sort of sanitary PG 13 friendly, you know, so, you know, they, they have their sort of machinery at work. So I agree with that. And um, I'm also glad you brought that up because that's, that's one thing, at least sort of, at least a final point I, I have, cause I, I don't have too much more to add um, on this movie. Um, but I, I do want to say like the, the things that I found the most interesting or that did work for me or that I do appreciate um, are those sort of external factors is sort of how, you know, is how inclusive this movie is and how um, and how, how inclusive it, it is and how very like nonchalant about it. It is, um that it's just like yeah this is the you know this is the world um so i really appreciated that um and yeah just to stress that um you know i'm happy for gina prince bythewood that she's she's seeing this sort of main, you know she's seeing this mainstream success with uh this movie and um it's been a long time coming so i think that those are the things that um if anything those are the things that i really took took from this movie um
0: yeah i think the only other interesting thing that i personally like considered was this is a netflix movie and i think this is correct me if i'm wrong the first netflix film series
1: what do you mean sorry like
0: um film series that's like done in an action level that's kind of like a superhero like almost like marvel-ish kind of thing like they obviously have sequels that they've done like to all the boys and uh kissing booth but those are like rom-com sequels and this is the first one where they actually like had a plan to potentially make a second one with the stinger at the end of the old guard, given the fact that they had plans, but like, and it's adapted from a series. Why didn't they just make this into a TV series? Like, that's what interested me. It was like, clearly this is a series, but why did they choose movie over TV?
1: That's a valid question. Um...
0: Especially since this feels so crammed. And I feel like with Netflix, they just want continuous content to be there. And I'm like, well, why, adapt this into a movie then
1: yeah i feel that with all the characters and subplots and backstories that this you know i mean it's two hours and five minutes and and i kind of mentioned it earlier because i i agree with you because the movie feels simultaneously slow and rushed at the same time which is a rare feat um that this should have been i mean this could have been a six to eight episode first season Um, easily Um, and I have to assume because it's a graphic novel right so it's like uh, and I'm not familiar enough with it but I know that they you know are are divided into you know however many books and those books are quite long um, or can get long Um, so yeah I don't know why they didn't do that either and I was I guess I'm glad you brought that up because I had one other thing and it's I don't know who's I don't, I don't know if it's a, a fault or anything, it, but like th- the movie kind of looks like a TV movie. Like I had sci-fi original movie, like kind of like sci-fi channel original movie in my head, like while watching this movie, like visually, even though like the camera work for those action sequences are fairly clean. Like the look of it, it just, it just looks like a TV movie, which I mean, I guess it kind of is cause it's on Netflix, but mm-hmm. uh, it just had a TV movie feel to me.
0: Oh, interesting, because I didn't feel that way when I watched it, but I also watch it on a projector, so I don't know if that changes that. Although I did just watch a TV series, and it definitely looked like a TV series to me on my projector. Um, It was a Japanese one, and... Their TV series—they're like really low quality. Like they give them like the shittiest cameras to work. Oh sure, with, so. it's like a,
1: like, a, like a Canadian film series or a Canadian yeah. TV series. Yeah, no, it's like
0: a, oh, did they just give them a camcorder and go and say have it, have your way?
1: <laughs> totally, and I guess I guess I should totally elaborate. Like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a you know like I guess what you're describing with the Japanese series, it doesn't feel like that level of TV it feels maybe more like prestigious tv but it does feel it still just has and again i don't know maybe that's because i just maybe because i watched it on my tv versus watching it in a movie theater but it just had more of a tv feel to me and that maybe that's on me than the movie but that's that's kind of how i felt watching it
0: that's interesting because also that uh cinematographer who also works with katherine bigelow right he did this movie that i his name is Barry Ackroyd, by the way. Um, he did Dark Places with Charlize, so I guess he's also, like, friends with Charlize because he also did Bombshell. Um, but, yeah, Dark Places looks is a really bad-looking movie, and he did the cinematography for that. So I could see that a little bit then, maybe. Totally. Because well, I if- thought that looked like a TV movie
1: no oh, bombshell definitely looked like a tv movie um oh you were talking about dark places though which i haven't seen but,
0: yeah um i've dark seen... places is garbage
1: yeah i remember god when did that come out i remember you telling me that when it came out you you texted me because i was reading i think i was reading it and you're like the movie's fucking awful (laughs) uh,
0: I I gave it a half star one of my very rare half stars in 2015
1: well Barry Ackroyd yeah and that's that's crazy because like he yeah he's worked a lot with Bigelow and he's also worked a lot with Paul Greengrass as well he shot United 93 and Captain Phillips um both movies that I I adore um um, so yeah that's that's um
0: maybe that's from him he's hit or miss apparently
1: apparently so um but yeah uh i uh if i guess where i'm at um let me know if you have any other thoughts on the movie i'm i I think i've said my piece um I, i think the most important thing is again i'm just i'm happy i'm happy that other people are enjoying it i'm happy that uh that it seems to be the success that it is um I just was, uh, you know, again, it brings me, and it brings me no joy to say that I wasn't crazy about the movie, but let it be, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, we can move on then to the other movie that I think both of us liked, but aren't as crazy about like everyone else.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's another fair assessment too. Um, And I mean, hell, I mean, this podcast is called the discourse and all of these movies have had some sort of discourse around it. And um you know we're not trying to be anti-hypers or anti-poo-pooing things but um
0: oh my god we might actually sound that way towards the end
1: we might i don't know well that's why i picked a certain movie to end on so we'll uh, we'll we'll get there when we get there but uh, but of course uh sorry the next movie we're going to talk about is is palm springs um which debuted on hulu this last weekend and um, which apparently, uh, according to uh, IndieWire exclusive, had the highest streaming, highest weekend premiere for anything on Hulu. Um, Of course, in the streaming era, there are no numbers or anything to back that up. It's just a declaration. Um, So be it. Um, But this movie, um, this movie's actually been receiving quite a lot of hype for a while um, because it played at Sundance, and i think and i mean it happens every year some movie breaks the the bidding war um record for for like you know it was like the way way back one year it was the birth of a nation another year it was late night last year i'm pretty sure Um, i think this
0: one beat late night by I, i i hope this is true i read it online somewhere 69 cents yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that's what I read.
1: <laughs> I hope that's true, also. But yeah, this one did take. I, I don't know if it was by that. I hope it's by that much. But um, but this did break that record. Um, and uh this is a. Uh, I was gonna look. I I feel like a bad host. I was gonna look to see. I think this is a debut or at least a feature debut for it this is. director. It is okay for for Max Barbacau. Um. And it's, uh, it stars uh, Andy Sandberg and Kristen Milioti. Um, and it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a time loop comedy. It's, it's a Groundhog Day scenario um, about two sort of, um, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of like fuck up individuals um, who meet at a wedding in Palm Springs. Um, and then they find themselves in a situation to where they are reliving that day over and over again. Um, so it's, um but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll like last time I'll pass it to you and and ask what you thought of Palm Springs.
0: So I'm gonna sound like such a dick I feel because I liked this movie when I first watched it, but it has just the more I think about it, the less I enjoy it. And I'm like, it was fine. It was a really nice 90 minute movie. Or I guess it's under. It says 90 on on Letterbox, but I think it's actually 80 something. Um, I think that there's a lot of, like, good ideas. I really love how it starts where you see Andy Samberg, like, in the time loop already, because I love the idea of, like, a regular person seeing someone in a time loop and how they're acting compared to everyone else. So that part interested me, but I feel like a lot of what they did with Kristen Melody's character did not work for me at, towards the end. And I feel like it was very obviously written by a dude then, which maybe... I feel like a lot of people who really, really love this film are mostly men, but I do know a lot of women that love it as well. So I, that theory got debunked earlier today too. I don't know. I, I feel like it's just like, as the more I think about it, the less, the less I am enamored with it and the more I'm like, it was nice.
1: (laughs) Totally. Um, I think I'm a little warmer, but I'm on the same page, uh, just from the standpoint of like the movie didn't blow me away. Um, but I did think it was very enjoyable. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I I do sort of agree, and and again, we won't get into spoilers here, uh, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it and they want to. I do agree, uh, and I know what you're talking about in regards to the choices with uh Krista Milioti's character towards the end. Um it feels a little rushed. Um, but I do I mean, I do think she gets a lot of time to shine earlier in the movie. Um you know because she's like she's almost like in a way like the kiki lane character in the old guard where it's like they're new to this particular situation and so they're the ones who are kind of like learning at on the go essentially um so i i I feel like she gets a lot of time to shine um and she's also good i think she can she rides the both the like the comedic and the dramatic shifts in this movie um I guess, and, and I guess the one thing for me, I mean, uh, I think I even wrote this in my little letterbox write up. Not that it's neither here nor there. I mean, I adore Andy Sandberg. I, I adore, I adored him on SNL. I like love everything the lonely Island does. Um, and he's funny and charming in this movie as always, but I just, when, when it, when the dramatic moments have to set in, I think they are just paying a little bit outside of his range. Um, And I think he's usually good at, he's usually good. I mean, I mean, I guess he produces most projects that he uh, stars in, this included, Um, you know, usually really good at finding something that fits what he can do um, and shine. But I just feel like there's a couple moments in this movie that just kind of are a little out of his grasp. But overall, I found the movie charming. Um, I found it enjoyable it doesn't reinvent the time loop comedy um, but I was also grateful that it doesn't reference Groundhog's Day uh, because it seems like so many have to acknowledge or reference it so I was appreciative of that Uh, I think the MVP of this movie if it's not Kristen Milioti it's J.K. Simmons Um, oh he really is is (laughs) he's
0: so funny
1: I don't even want to like talk about like the specifics of his role uh, for for the listeners but I think he he is so good in this movie he's hilarious but also has probably the most poignant scene in the entire movie as well um
0: yeah I agree and it's still really funny that one scene that you're talking about so it manages to be both poignant and hilarious at the same time which is a very good balance I think
1: i agree yeah i think he's yeah i think he's just he's delightful um he's so good in it so yeah i thought the movie was yeah ultimately i thought the movie was a, a breezy fun comedy um it, but it, it, uh i think similarly i mean I, I didn't get um i i didn't get tv movie vibes from this one necessarily but like i i guess similarly the old guard too I imagine, like, because was this, and and you, distribution's your bread and butter, so I wanted to ask you this, because you probably know. I know, um, was this meant to go to Hulu all along, or did Neon plan a theatrical prior to this, or do you know?
0: Oh, that is a very good question, because I do kind of know. <laughs> um, oh. I know that Hulu went in more on this movie than Neon did, so Hulu uh. had, at the end of the day, the biggest say, and a lot of not every neon title is kind of like co gone in with hulu but i do know this one was like little monsters so it makes me wonder if this was never really meant to have a big theatrical push anyway that 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 point makes me think that because like i think about little monsters and i think about how it really didn't hit theaters and that was like the big hulu slash neon buy right um versus shirley which i think was originally supposed to go into theaters but because Hulu and Neon have this great deal, I, I don't think Neon really loses much by putting a movie like Shirley or like Palm Springs onto Hulu. I think they actually gain more and they get more street cred. And then because a lot of the movies that they, a lot of Neon's bread and butter is oddly documentaries um, or yeah. their auteur films like Your Parasites, Your... Um, portrait of a lady on fires Your like award season fair and then documentaries which also coincidentally are award season fair but like even so like one of the bigger neon releases during vod has been that one that's like the space one which i can't think of the name apollo 11
1: right no
0: that was last year um there's another one that's like in a like a, a space themed one um i can look really quick
1: oh is it the one is it the one that like spaceship bio- earth Okay, this was, is was the one that Biodome was, like, yes. loosely, like, based off that real story. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know yes. what you're talking about. Yeah. And
0: that one did have a VOD launch uh, through, like, I think Nighthawk did a lot of things with it. I think Alamo had it available for a long time. Like, that did have a VOD launch, and I think it did moderately well, from what I understand. Uh, but yeah, I think this one was actually kind of meant to be on Hulu, or not really have a huge theatrical window to begin with.
1: Got it and would was, have
0: bombed theatrically i think
1: i think it would have too i think it would have gone the same route that like late night did um be yeah. told which like because late night sold for a ton of money and it tanked in theaters i think amazon put it on prime earlier than like most sort of windows like it i, I think it, it hadn't even been on home video yet and they put it out on uh, the streaming service um and i think it did well to my knowledge when it when it finally hit prime and so. Um, no, I bet I, I believe that that would be the case. I I just had no idea. But I guess the point that I was, was getting at is it's like I just imagined these movies playing in a theater and was just like, yeah, number 1 it would bomb and and number 2 it's just kind of like I don't know, it just feels like the I, I don't know, it just feels like a perfect streaming movie <laughs> in a way. It does. Um,
0: it has that perfect length to it. it. Again, letterbox is wrong. I think this is actually 89 minutes or 88 but like, yeah, it's under 90 minutes. You can easily watch it. It's a good summertime watch on a Friday night.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's super enjoyable. Um, but like it, it, you know, there would be a different level of like, um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, uh, like kind of the state of theatrical industry. Um, and I had the, the, uh former co-hosts of the Adjust Your Tracking podcast on there uh Eric Clanahan and Joe Oppen. and he brought up the lovebirds cuz we were talking about that and and how like he's like he's like I watched it on Netflix and it was fine whatever but like he's like if he's like I imagined it playing in a theater and like the certain like level of scrutiny the higher level of scrutiny it would get if it was a theatrical movie where you're like I, I just I paid a lot of money to see this I paid for parking like all this <laughs> stuff um you know and so it's like it, it it has that you know if it played in a theater it had the higher level where it's just like if it plays your you know plays in your living room and it's a perfectly like and this I mean this is a much better movie than the lovebirds yeah but the lovebirds was supposed to play in theaters this is a paramount yeah. they sold it to netflix but uh but like you know it just it doesn't it doesn't get that same level of harshness i guess or like heavy criticism so like for a movie that's on a streaming platform you're like oh yeah this is really really good really charming and um i think it was a smart move for sure
0: yeah so it's interesting actually talking about this compared to the old guard because first off these could be a very interesting double feature given what they uh both kind of like their themes of like immortality or slash living for a really long time in a loop kind of have similar ideas right but that said it's also interesting because Netflix is more like the blockbuster streaming service and I think this movie kind of proves that Hulu is trying to go for the more indie niche but not quite Criterion level like service for their films.
1: And that I think that makes sense given the like you know the deal they have with Neon um and with you know the the aforementioned titles you mentioned Shirley um spaceship earth am i am i saying that right <laughs> whatever yeah, i think but... so
0: i think that is but um but even like the blumhouse deal that they have which yes. is like a lot like it's not like netflix a netflix movie that it's a horror movie would probably have a lot more b- money thrown at it but this one like blumhouse like they have this ongoing series that's really weird and has a few really big name directors and technically they're tv movies but they're movies nonetheless it that always weird to me but like it just seems like Hulu is buying into a lot more indie features
1: and i i appreciate that especially as the you know i i feel like there's going to be you know they they talked about year for years and i don't know if it's happened yet but like you know peak tv was the the buzzword that people were saying like we've reached peak tv have we reached peak tv um you'd see that in headlines and um it, it's kind of similar with streaming where it's just like now there's all these different streaming services, and certain companies are starting their own so they can own their own content. Um, you know, you have, of course, HBO Max now that just launched recently, and then you have Peacock, which I think is launching. Is it this week? I think it's launching here very soon. Um,
0: oh, I keep forgetting about that, but I'm not going to get it.
1: I'm not either, but so. but 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 it's coming. <laughs> it's <still> coming. <laughs> whether whether we like it or not, it's it's coming. And so it all of these streaming services if the if any of them are going to survive they have to carve out um i mean they have a reason to, car- to survive exactly and so i mean you're gonna have i think netflix and hulu regardless of what they do are on pretty stable ground because they were first um and i think they're the services that a lot of people subscribe to more than any of them um but i do appreciate that like but i like that they're doing their own thing um and just like you know we're going to talk about a shutter movie recently you know recently it's like quality of some of those aside it's like they're doing their own thing and like these other services are doing that you know i'm we're gonna get there we'll get there um but it's like they're but they're but they're still they're carving out their niche and they're doing they're putting out things that specify to their viewership um and so it's like, you have to do that. If everyone just tries to chase the Netflix tail, um, you're probably gonna lose. And um, so I like that Hulu is sort of like going for that more independent market. Um, and and I think that, uh, yeah, I think they made a good call with Palm Springs. I mean, again, if we lived in that alternate timeline where there was no pandemic, uh, this still would be, the streaming would still be the right move. Um I don't think this would have done super well uh, in the theaters. I mean, I guess just look at the, you know, again, I love Andy Samberg, but just look at like the fates of Hot Rod and, and pop star never Stop never stopping. And, you know, this probably would have befallen a similar fate. So uh, I think they made the right call.
0: Yeah. I almost wonder if it would have also befallen a similar fate, like Ingrid goes West because they have very similar vibes to me yeah and that movie made 3.3 3 million like i think that's about how much like maybe this one would have made 10
1: yeah i, I would say this would that would that'd be the tap out for this this movie is also I, they have similar vibes for sure this one's a little bit more
0: sci-fi. optimistic.
1: sci-fi it's more optimistic i think it's more sure. overtly funnier uh i like ingrid ingrid goes west Better as a movie, uh, but it's also more cringy and uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and I think this this one's too, you know breezy and enjoyable. And I think that that would have certainly uh, helped. Um, yeah. And and also you know it's the perfect movie to release right now because every day just feels like the same and nothing matters. So you yeah, know, which I, is why
0: I think a lot of people resonated with it. I think a lot of people fell in love with this movie because or they didn't fall in love with this movie because of what happened, like the timing. Like I actually read a tweet recently from someone I know she was like, I think I would have loved Palm Springs like a couple months ago, but right now I'm like, I hate it.
1: (laughs) It's understandable. Like the, I I think that, and I don't, you know, I, I think no matter when it came out, I think the credit to the movie is that I think a lot of those dramatic elements resonate. Um, and that's i feel like that's just the key to any sort of like time loop movie but specifically a comedy because it's like every single one of them is relatively the same like the character has to go the character or characters in this case have to go through some kind of personal growth uh to understand why they're stuck in this situation in the first place um and so i think that that just uh you know, I think it would have done well regardless, but yeah, I think the timing certainly, you know, is, is, uh, makes it feel a little, maybe a little harder to get through because it's just like, oh yeah, I, I feel this deep in my soul at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, any other thoughts on Palm Springs before we move on?
0: I mean, I feel like I'm being harsh, but I did like it. And I think it is fun. I just, I think when people rate things so high, sometimes I go, what did I miss? (laughs) <laughs> and then I start, like, overthinking it, and then I'm like, well, I actually didn't like it that much. And I think that actually, it's not, like, a backlash thing per se, but it's a little more like a, okay, it was fine, <laughs> like, kind of question right. mark, like, thing. It, yeah, that h- excessive hype, even if I like something, can affect it later on.
1: Totally. No, and I, I think that's... nuance I'm thinking is,
0: about it more. I just think about it more then.
1: Nuance is... I'm not going to say missing, but it's something that should be reinstated in the conversation more. And I get it and I get it too. And I get it, you know, when you, when you really do love something, you want to shout it from the mountaintops and want people to see it. Like I understand that entirely, but, um, but you know, if you're hashtag extremely online uh, for, you know, then you get the thousands of people shouting from the mountaintops and you're like, okay, I don't want to see any more mountains. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) It, it's, let's
0: talk about that with one of the next movies we're talking about
1: yeah that actually would like, fit i'm in. tired
0: with mountains that's burn them that. down
1: <laughs> let's let's uh yeah i think that's gonna fit to at least one of the movies and uh, it's actually
0: almost the opposite for another one for me which we'll get into it is a very interesting journey i've had with these movies
1: i think that's totally fair um and i think we're we're gonna kind of lump the discussion of the next two movies together um it's no real well it could be a slight against one of the movies we'll get there but it is more, <laughs> but it's more these movies do kind of speak to one another and i think they're both um because we have so many movies to cover we're not gonna get into spoilers and i do think both movies are hard to discuss without spoilers um so uh we're gonna kind of lump them together and they're also both they're also both horror movies that's also not a slight but that's just how it is um so, yeah, the two movies we're going to discuss, um, speaking of Sundance and Palm Springs, Springs, sorry, um, one of them is the Sundance movie um, that has been pretty pretty hyped um, in the, the horror circles um, or even outside of the horror circles um, since Sundance, which is Relic. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's another one called The Beach House. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll say up top for anyone who wants to watch them, Relic's on general VOD, to rent and the beach house is a shutter exclusive um but both movies i guess both movies are the the um they're both different types of horror um one of them is more like more drama oriented i mean it's it's not as good as something like hereditary but it fits that mold I think it would be fair to say about relic um and the beach house is a little bit more like a cosmic lovecraftian um horror movie but um uh once again I'll pass the ball to you I I guess maybe again we're going to bob back and forth but I guess let's start with relic cuz that seems to be the one that most people uh in our in those circles are talking about
0: yeah so I actually had a very interesting journey with relic I watched it a couple months ago and I wasn't hot on it I I And this was before, like, the huge hype, too, because, like, the Sundance reviews were kind of, you know, divisive to the point where it's, like, people really loved it or it, there was middling reviews that came out where people were like, it was fine. And I was kind of on the it was fine train. I talked to the few people at Sundance who were distributors that had seen it, and they were like, it was fine. And – but this is one that, really, like, I thought about it a little bit more. I As more people saw it, I kind of talked about the end, which is why you really need to talk about the end when you get into this movie, because, like, at the beginning – I like I felt like, and I don't know if you felt this way, but the third act just feels like it's just happened, like so fast it's thrown at you to where the point where I rewound it and I was like, did I miss something when I accidentally paused it earlier? Like, did I accidentally move ten minutes before? And <laughs> I, I actually watched the ending twice because I was like, did I, I miss like a huge jump? Did I miss them explain something to me? And I was like, no, this is what the movie is. And I do think the third act kind of needed a bit more reworking, I still think that, but I like it more now. I didn't I disliked it a little bit, actually, when I first watched it. And just the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, Natalie Erica James with Relic, what she has is she has an eye for horror, which is something I think the Beach House, when we get into it, does not have. And even though it's kind of convoluted and messy and Relic is not like say a hereditary when it comes to like storytelling prowess, it has something. And I think that she's a really good director.
1: I, I would agree. And I think that one thing, and, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves in regards to the Beach House, but I do think um I do think that when each movie takes when each movie takes that heel more heel turn into horror, um, more overt horror, I guess we we should say. Um I think regardless of whether or not the horror works what works about something like relic as opposed to say the beach house um, is that I feel like the dramatic legwork is sound or at least sound enough um, to where you at least understand the sort of like dramatic tension and what's at stake, what it takes that heel turn. Um, And it shows, I feel honestly through the performances um, in this movie. Um, And I think that's what, to me, what helps Relic a lot. I mean, it, it's, I mean, number one, it's Natalie Erica James's eye for horror, as you mentioned, but I also, I think the the three lead performances of the movie, uh, Emily Moribar, uh Robin Nevin and Bell Heathcote are all very, very good in the movie. Um, on that third act, I will, I will, I guess both agree. And I will agree to a certain extent um, with you on that. I do think it's, just happens i do agree with that portion i think it just happens um i do think it needed a little more lead up like it's it's kind of like slow burn slow burn slow like the horror elements are slow burn slow burn slow burn and then bam they happen Um, yeah
0: they do they really (laughs) do (laughs) they like they start going in the walls of the house and i'm like did i fucking miss something
1: (laughs) and that and that's yeah and that I agree with that portion. I do really like the last, like, I don't know what you would call it, like five to 10 minutes. Maybe it's the last five, but like the last like buttoning moments. I um,
0: liked that. And that's why I rewound. Cause I was like, I feel like I totally missed some like lead up to this. And then I was like, I didn't, It it just hits, which is fine. But I think this is actually where you can tell it came from a short film and it was adapted from one versus mm-hmm. it was a feature length script first.
1: I think I feel that definitely. Um, And that's why I'm, I'm sort of like, that's why I'm sort of conflicted by the finale of this movie, because I, I agree, even though I think those elements maybe are like, you know, I think they're, they're cool. They're cool. They're well shot. There's tension, but it does feel very abrupt. Um, But I do feel that, you know, because even though there's that disconnect where it ramps up to, at least in the first half of the last third of the movie, um is pretty typical of this kind of horror movie yeah and then at a little you know to a certain extent and then like and, but then the last five minutes i feel like really subvert that idea <laughs> of of and I, and again i don't want to give too much away for our listeners i think the movie's worth watching and i think people should check it out um but it really subverts that notion of like x person is crazy. Um, which is usually where these movies kind of end up. Um, And so, and so I I
0: was a little worried about as well, because it does deal with like dementia. Yeah. Which is funny because we watched a movie earlier this year about Alzheimer's and I was like, I feel like Ryan might hate Relic (laughs) after watching (laughs) that movie.
1: (laughs) Oh, right, right. But no, I I thought Relic was, I, I, and again, I think, I can't stress enough. I just, I think the movie's dramatic, legwork is strong enough through most of the movie that um that it still works despite the sort of shaky ground it finds itself on at the end
0: yeah i mean i think out of all the horror releases this year if i didn't count saint Maud, it would be my number three so there that is saying something i think because i hate a lot of horror movies even though i love the genre i'm a notable hater
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean different strokes right It, it has to happen but yeah this would be I mean a top i don't mean i don't know um
0: like swallow and the invisible man are the only other two that have released because saint maud i think is better than relic uh if not they actually they're kind of on similar ta- like ground where they're both first-time filmmakers and the really slow saint maud is a tad bit slower but i think the ending is better in saint maud than relic by just a hair
1: i can't wait to watch it when it does come out um but yeah, I mean, I'd put, I still have Invisible Man, and Bakuro is sort of horror adjacent, so I don't know oh. whether to count it, but uh, I'm I gonna, did not
0: know that. I'm gonna have to watch it now.
1: You should. It's really freaking good. Um, but it's, I, I'm gonna, I am gonna count it. Um, and then I I might even put Color Out of Space ahead of this, but then it would be this. Um
0: yeah so it's like it's one of the stronger i think releases and i'm glad that they decided because i know originally they had this plan to do theater vod but then obviously theaters didn't really open in july like it was planned and so i'm glad they didn't like do the pushback and they just were like well we're just gonna do straight vod now
1: well and well it's playing in um drive-in theaters as well which is um, cool it's cool i actually think it's it might actually be helping the movie's box office perspectives with other theaters being closed to be honest i mean they've been ifc's been double billing it with the wretched and um i think something else they put out becky maybe might be the other one um that they're pairing it with but um it's doing really well um though i i god i don't remember who said it um oh who said it somebody somebody like like a mutual friend of ours said it on twitter um I'll have to look it up, but somebody said they saw it at a drive in and basically said, like, don't see this movie at a drive in, as much as as much as uh, you know, they're awesome, it would be
0: hard to watch, I so think.
1: dark, like, yeah, it would be really hard to see the screen. Um, uh,
0: I tried to watch it during the day on my projector, and I actually that's why I paused it is because I couldn't see for a bit, and I was like, I have to wait, and so then I waited. I had a virtual movie date that night with a friend and I watched The Apartment and then I finished Relic, which also might have made me not like it as much because I just watched The Apartment and then I got one back to Relic and I was like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard It's hard to follow Billy Wilder with, uh, you know, a, a even if a, a perfectly solid movie like Relic, but it just, it kind of pales in comparison <laughs> even though they're not comparable movies but it's just, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to go from one of the you know, one of the greatest filmmakers who has ever lived to go into Relic, so.
0: Yeah, I, I think that actually did kind of downgrade it for me um a little bit when I was watching it, because I just watched something that was so masterful, and then I was like, eh, but then I thought about it, because I liked the short that she did called Wave, which I don't know if you got
1: to. I haven't, no, I was trying to watch the films of other filmmakers that we've discussed on this episode. And I I literally remembered it like 10 minutes before we hopped on Mike. I was like, damn it, it was was 10 minutes
0: long. (laughs) I
1: know. And I real I I couldn't remember the name of it, but um I'm gonna watch it after we're done here.
0: It has a very similar vibe and I remember seeing it at Fantastic Fest. I recently rewatched it and I was like, you know what? I think she is really good at actually visualizing horror. And I think she does it in such a unique way that it's so hard, I feel like, lately to see something that looks original in horror because it's usually all more of the same. It's like the Blumhouse effect or like the, I hate this term, but elevated horror effect. And this kind of is a little bit somewhere in between, which I think is really interesting. Does that make sense? Like, it it looks like it could have been a Blumhouse film, but it's also trying to be a little bit more than a Blumhouse film. (laughs)
1: yeah i i, I think i buy that and i i was gonna i was thinking of that too a lot while watching this i mean i i, I hate the term elevated horror as well um because but that's
0: an easy term to kind of just like lump all of the i i guess horror movies that have been like the eight are the a24 horror movies. the prestigious
1: horror movies i yeah. guess yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah prestigious is better uh the ones that are billed more prestigious at least
1: yeah, no that that makes total sense, and I think Relic fits into that. But it's also, I don't know, just there's something about it I feel that does feel so personal <laughs> that it it um it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like uh, like faux engineered to be prestigious. You know what I mean? Like it does feel like very authentic um, mm-hmm. in in its approach.
0: Yeah, I agree. It- You know what drove me crazy, though, is I saw a review after I watched watched it, and there weren't that many reviews rolling around, because I watched it two months ago. It was just Sundance runoff, and someone was like, it's so weird that uh, Emily Mortimer and uh, Bella Heathcote play sisters, and I was like, they don't. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, then I got more confused, because then I was like, did I just watch the movie entirely wrong?
1: (laughs) It, I'm, i have the imdb page open and it literally says a daughter mother and grandmother are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family's home
0: i don't think it said that two months ago and that's why it made me so confused and then i was like i'm confusing myself and then i went and rewatched the bits of it and i was like no they're definitely like grandmother mother daughter
1: <laughs> that's the whole like dramatic crux of the movie
0: Yeah, and I was like, this person was so wrong, and it turns out that person is a plagiarist. So that person probably didn't even watch the movie; he just wrote a review, and I'm sure he did didn't watch it.
1: Oh yeah, that would that would found that out
0: after, and I was like, oh well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was. Yeah, oof, yikes. Um, anyway. Yes. (laughs) Any other thoughts on relic?
0: Um. I think yeah, I think Natalie Erica James is such a good and interesting emerging voice in horror and I really want to see more from her. And I love the fact that she's a woman of color in horror. I, I think that it, there's so there aren't enough. And I, I I think it's cool that she has just a like unique vision. Um, particularly in drumwave, you see it a little bit more. And I think that that's really exciting.
1: I agree and yeah, I think despite its faults I think both of us are sitting here saying you should definitely check it out and also check out drum wave. I'm going to do that myself um, because I'm a bad host and forgot to watch.
0: It. Yeah. I think it's on her Vimeo channel. Also the short that inspired relic, I think is I haven't watched it though. Cause I heard that short is not as great.
1: Ah, uh, uh,
0: And that it was a clear call for like people to fund the movie kind of thing.
1: Uh, that might make sense. I'd still be interested to check it out. Um, Same might have to do that um well speaking of yikes that i mentioned a second ago let's move <laughs> on to the beach house oh <laughs> uh, sorry i couldn't help it um so this is another um, um another movie that got um the that's uh, got a lot of hype and it's um i was just it's terrible
0: it's awful it's, it's not good <laughs>
1: It's not good. I was going to say this is also a directorial debut, uh if I'm not uh, mistaken.
0: A lot of them uh, outside uh the movies we bookend, all of these are directorial debuts.
1: That is that is true. Um though this director Jeffrey A Brown I just I just double checked to make sure that uh he's been a location manager for a lot of uh major movies prior to this. Uh, yeah, he's
0: a bit old. I think he's his, in
1: his 40s. such as Spider-Man 3, Nonstop. Um so there's there's, you know, the the remake of taking a bell in one two three um so yeah (laughs) hey i like a couple of those (laughs) don't you be don't you be hating um man three it's got its charms i mean it's not good but like i don't know i'll take a raimi personality over something that's sort of like manufactured um even if it doesn't quite work
0: um, That's true. In retrospect, Spider-Man Three is a lot better than we thought it was.
1: Right. Well, and I also, I mean, I guess it's clear by our feelings of the Beach House that you know we're dwelling on Spider-Man Three and not talking about the Beach House. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. This, so this movie has, yeah, it's gotten gotten in in our horror circles that we tended to to uh, trek in. The the movie has definitely gotten a lot of buzz. I think it, it played the Chattanooga Film Festival, right? That was virtual um, a couple months ago.
0: Yes, which is how I watched it. I actually watched this around the same time I watched Relic.
1: Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I just watched it because uh, it's, it's on Shudder. Uh, Shutter picked up the distribution, so that's where it is to watch. Um, so I watched it then. Um, I guess I'll just read the IMDb summary here. Uh, romantic getaway for two troubled college sweethearts turns into a struggle for survival, one unexpected guests, and the surrounding environment exhibit signs of a mysterious infection. Um Yeah. I, I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, I mean, we probably won't spend a lot of time on this movie, but I did not like it. And, um, you know, we were mentioning during a relic about like some of our favorite horror movies of the year. I mentioned color, color out of space. And um, I, I, if Rodrigo's listening, he's going to kill me because he hates food metaphors, but I'm going to use one anyway. Um, (laughs) Unless you're a diabetic, if you look in your fridge and there's a Coca-Cola and a diet Coke, I'm not going to go for the Diet Coke. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to go for the regular one. So it's just like this This movie, like, you know, it, it, why go for the Diet Lovecraft adaptation when the actual one came out <laughs> earlier this year and was much better and more, like, entertaining. I, to me, this is like the antithesis of Relic, where it's like the movie does its heel turn into horror, but none of the drama none of the characterizations like none of it is believable or interesting or like it's sort of like relic relic does the um relic adheres to the like basic show don't tell rule um which i mean which i do think people misconstrue people think like oh you should just not tell well it's like no you can tell but you also have to show that the telling like you have to show that you're telling actually like makes sense and that it actually but if you just tell the audience x y and z then it's like unearned and that's all the beach house is it's like it tells you certain things before it starts to like ramp up and then all the horror elements when it gets there are really not that interesting either no. um, it's like it's like frustratingly opaque um and not in a oh, way that's so
0: bad looking it and, looks terrible
1: Well, and it's not in a way that's like in like atmospheric or interesting either like it's it's not like oh okay i don't get this but like i'm vibing with it like it's more just like i hate this and i want to leave like it
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. i actually so when i watched the opening shot of this movie which i believe is an ominous shot of the like not a forest, that was in Wacket, but it's an ominous shot of something. I think it's like the beach house on the beach, or like the underwater stuff, and I had watched like five horror movies in a row. It felt like where they all had that ominous shot before the credits hit with like loud kind of noise like staticky with like voices kind of like overlapping and weird and, and it has
1: a hard sound cut out for the yep. title yep
0: <laughs> and I'm like I've seen this like five times in a row and I'm so sick of it and I think that it maybe that affected me hating this so much but when I watched it I just it broke me
1: <laughs> yeah I I understand and I I'm i done yeah I I felt that way I wasn't I, at the start I wasn't that like aggravated but I, I did feel similarly where it had like I was like I've seen this I've seen this many times before um it which is is,
0: what people want people when they're making an indie horror film they're like this is elevated horror this is this movie this is the movie people make and they go into it thinking I'm making something elevated and it like it's garbage though
1: well when you and when you go into it with that mindset um Then you're you're setting yourself up for, if not failure, more sort of I don't know, more sort of scrutiny. Or you're like, I'm going to make it. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to make it that way, then you better damn well make it like, (laughs) make it in a way that is going to resonate with people. Um, Right.
0: And like, there's this part in the movie where I I watched this two months ago, and I still remember specific things that I hated, like when they basically tell you the female character is smart, but never like. Give you a reason to believe she's smart. They just keep telling you, "Oh, she's smart. She's she, so smart," and you're like, "What?"
1: <laughs> but she doesn't do smart things, and that's no. the the. And that's again, that's the that's the show don't tell about this movie. That's frustrating. It's like she doesn't, and they only say she's so smart, and they say her. Uh, again, I'm not going to spoil anything. If people want to see it, um, you know, you know, it's it's divisive. Like, I, I'm not going to say we're in the minority opinion because I think there are a lot of people. Uh, like us who are not fans of this movie but also a lot of people are really big fans of this movie so it's true
0: but I also noticed recently today and I sent it to somebody right before our podcast is that it has like a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes and I usually don't take this with any grains of salt but I do find it interesting when the audience score is so drastically different and it's like 32.
1: (laughs) Yeah and I don't take that into account either but it is it's always fascinating when that happens. Right. Yeah. It's like, you
0: have all these critics who really like it. And then the audience is like, what?
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so, um, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but like, let's just say like, they keep saying, they keep saying that, that our, our lead character is smart. And they keep saying that she's studying to be X and X equates to what ultimately, or what sort of things start happening later in the movie um but it's not believable it's never like you know it's never done in a way that's like and, and the, that character doesn't say or do things to make you think oh make you think oh they are studying to do x it's just it's just nonsense like for lack of a better word i wish i had a more like critical the observation on that but it's just it's 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 such trash (laughs) and I don't
0: usually call movies trash, but I really hated this movie and especially, you know what? There's another movie that came out this year. It's a horror movie that I I was, it's fine. Like I didn't dislike it. I didn't really like it. I, I, it's kind of a middle for me, um, called sea fever that has the main character who's a woman in the same similar role as the woman in the beach house and sea fever actually shows you shows her being smart, shows her intellect and cause I think that helps. I think the director is into marine biology to some extent. Her name is uh, Nisa Hardiman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Cause she's Irish. So, uh, but, um, it's just interesting seeing that this movie came out earlier this year and it made me appreciate it a lot more, which at the time I was like, it's fine. It does a lot of the things that I don't like, like the beginning cut out and the, wanting to be a smart horror movie and you can tell from the get-go that it really wants to be but watching the beach house made me appreciate that movie more
1: <laughs> oh yeah no i i mean i haven't seen sea fever um it's one i'll get to eventually i think it i think it just hit a streaming service actually recently um yeah hopefully. i think
0: it hit uh either amazon or hulu maybe actually I, and i, I got mad because really. I, I spent seven dollars rental on it and i was like god damn it
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry um yeah, that's a bummer. Um, it's okay. Not as, not as big of a bummer <laughs> as this movie is. Though. The Beach
0: House I, just like broke me in half. And there's another, um, I mean like Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead also do that kind of like Lovecraftian like indie horror stuff um, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily like a Lovecraft movie. But it sometimes it works for them. Sometimes it doesn't work for them. The Beach House just feels like a knockoff of even that. And it doesn't even work half the time with them, I think. So it, uh, and people keep saying it's pretty, but the pretty quote unquote stuff is like after effects one Oh one.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say at least like Benson and Moorhead, even when they don't like hit the mark, they're very like committed to their vision. So yeah. it's like, you and it, actually, it still it. looks good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say that. Yeah. It, yeah. It looks good. And you at least appreciate that. It's like, ah, oh, they know like they're committed to the story they want to tell even if it doesn't work whereas this one's just like just like it's whatever i i got nothing else to say on on this one
0: <laughs> it just it, it when i was watching it at chat film fest and i think it won the audience award like i watched three movies and it was a downhill <laughs> spiral where i watched um uh oh crap i forgot the name of it um the sex on the ferris wheel movie that stars the woman from portrait of a lady on fire
1: oh i know what you're talking about i was gonna say wonder wheel but that's not it starts with a j
0: oh i can i can get this hold on one second jumbo so the movie's called jumbo and i watched that because that's the reason why i actually got it passed was so i could watch it um because it was a divisive film out of sundance another <laughs> sundance movie Um, then i watched scare package because i had a friend who directed a short and her short was very good and the rest wasn't and then i watched the beach house and i just like i was done with the festival i was like i'm not watching anything else
1: <laughs> that's totally fair uh i've only seen this one so but even at that i would probably be disheartened by then
0: yeah and it's the beach house was just so painful to watch for me that when everyone around me i felt gaslit it was like it's so great and i was like did we watch the same thing and then a bunch of people like you came out later and they were like i didn't like it and then i was like okay i'm not crazy
1: (laughs) no i crammed this in during a the my son's nap one day um and i almost took a nap
0: <laughs> so. yeah it's like 80 minutes and it feels like it's like 2 hours it feels longer than the old guard
1: <laughs> it does feel longer than the old guard i will i will i will give you that much yes it does feel longer um i was i i usually don't do this with movies like i never check the time um but i i kept doing it with this one and uh, you know it's it's like that i think it's a roger ebert adage that like no great movie is too short and no bad movie can end quick enough like and that's basically The Beach House. It feels like an eternity, even though it's factoring credits. It's like an 80-minute movie.
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts. And I just, I, it just totally, and I not, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I just don't get it. And this is, I don't usually say that, but I just don't get it.
1: Yeah, I, it, I'm i kind of in a similar camp. Because um, I, I, I get it with
0: yeah because like with Hansel with Gretel and Hansel is another movie I didn't like a lot this year I get it I get why people like that like I see it I hated it but to each their own but the beach house I'm like you watch that and you actually like had a good time
1: (laughs) yeah I don't I don't quite see it in this one either um
0: I feel like there's a horror movie every once in a while that gets me like that um another one was I can't remember it anymore oh well who cares it was like some v movie sort of the v and it just, the void the void
1: oh yeah. that was another
0: one where I would just watched it and I was like why do people like this I don't know
1: that was I feel similarly about that movie I was not uh, I think I watched it on a plane if I remember correctly
0: had they had uh, that on a plane
1: <laughs> no it was probably on my tablet to be I probably okay. downloaded it to watch it off yeah that'd be funny if they had it on <laughs> I was
0: like, "Oh my God! They tortured how many people with that movie on a plane?" Delta,
1: Delta in-flight entertainment presents "The Void." Um, no, like, no, no, let me no.
0: jump out of the plane. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that yeah. was mean. Uh, I'm no, so mean
0: when I hate fair. something. I feel like I get so mean.
1: It happens. It happens to the best of us and the worst of us. So it just I mean, it just happens.
0: It's just one of those movies where it has a female lead. That, I think this is why it pisses me off. Female lead that's clearly written by a dude that, like, and I said that about Palm Springs, but that one, it's, like, I, you, she has quirks that you're, like, okay, yeah, this is written by a guy because she's kind of likable to, like, this almost quirky extent, and it's, like, I get it, but, like, this one, it's, like, oh, he wrote the woman smart and kept saying she was smart, therefore she was smart, and it's, like, oh, you can, this is clearly written by a, a guy.
1: Right, well, and also a, a performance can help, also help, uh, you know, overturn that where yeah. like, like it does in palm springs i mean not overturn it but like at least help mitigate it a little bit and that But she
0: does have weight in that movie and backstory and you, they're not constantly telling you what she should be
1: exactly they act they actually show it they do what <laughs> they do what you should do as a screenwriter so um yeah this one didn't work i have nothing else to say do you do you have anything else or
0: i think i should cut my rant <laughs>
1: I, I think so. Why don't we, let's, let's end on a, let's not end on a high note, I think. Um, and there's a reason we saved the, we did save the best for last. I'm going to bury, I'm not going to bury lead and just say we saved the best for last um, of all these movies. And um, I'm, this is a weird, I'm not going to say a weird one from like the movie's not weird, but it's weird from like a release standpoint. So uh final movie we're going to talk about is first cow, which is the latest film from Kelly Reichardt. And, um, it's a weird one in terms of release because this technically started coming out in March or I think end of February to beginning of March. Uh, it played in New York, LA. It was starting its uh, slow rollout, uh, a 24 distributed the movie. Um, it was, there was a press screening in Seattle for it. Um, as I'm sure there was one in Austin, um, but, I
0: think there was, and I missed it because Mike saw it. Actually, this was supposed to be my birthday movie.
1: Oh man, yeah, and it yeah, so, so, yeah, because it it same it, it screened in Seattle, um but then theaters slowly started shuttering their doors, and then I got the like the PR email that was like, ah, oh, the nationwide expansion of First Cow has been axed. We'll come, you know, we'll we'll respond when there's a later date. Well, here we are, July later date never happened. Um, I think this was supposed to be, I think even this weekend was supposed to be it's like home video release anyway um, because it would have theoretically ran its theatrical course um, and as evident by the fact that it's not rentable at the moment. You can only buy it um, digitally. I think it's rentable in like two weeks. Um, But yeah, like I said, this is the latest film from Kelly Reichardt. It's getting probably some of the best reviews of the year. Um, this is her, it's her seventh film and her fifth one set in Oregon. Um, and this one's set in, um, set during the 1800s, during the, the, uh, Oregon, Oregon Trail, Oregon Territory. Um, and I will, once again, I'll pass it to you. What did you think about First Cow?
0: So this is actually my first Kelly Reichart movie, which I know you've actually recently watched all of her filmography, so you can expand on this a bit more, but I loved it. I, it actually might be my favorite movie of the year <laughs> and it made me so sad watching it. Cause then I remembered that I had this like giant birthday weekend planned. And one of my birthday weekend things was I was going to watch first cow, but my birthday, now that you kind of figured out the timeline was basically right when the quarantine hit my 30th birthday hit on, <laughs> hit on like the day we were all supposed to go inside
1: oh I and, and it was
0: really and, shitty
1: <laughs> I remember I know and I, I've yeah that that really stinks and I mean if it I mean it's not going to make you feel any better but you know given how terrible our country is handling the situation uh you know my 30th birthday is in like two and a half weeks and it's probably going to be the same exact thing so you know <laughs> at least
0: at least it wasn't such a rug pull because I was still planning stuff and then I had to like literally cancel it all of my weekend plans on my birthday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember that.
0: I was like, I was going to go see first cow in the morning with my family in town. And then I was going to invite a few other friends. And then I was going to have karaoke in the evening at a friend's place. Like I kept also like changing my birthday plans anyway. So this movie, like I watched it, I was like, this would have been a really beautiful birthday movie because it's also my favorite movie of the year. So then it like stung so much more. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> no, it makes sense. And I, I think it makes even more sense from, you know, you add the the sort of like external factors that led into that, that, you know, you unfortunately experience, and, you know, just the, the bad timing and, and all that. But like, you also add that to the, the, like, you know, the movie's not a, downer by any sense but it is very I I would say relentlessly melancholic might be a way to put it um (laughs) yeah so it's like you have that sort of tone of the movie um you know then you have what you you know that what you're feeling outside of it and so it just it kind of adds that extra layer of of um just sort of longing and and just bummed out didness um so I I totally understand um
0: yeah I think this is such a beautiful movie and I think that it's like it would have been such a nice movie to have, too, given, like, the situation that's been happening. Like, a lot of people say, like, oh, well, it's nice Palm Springs came out because I relate to it because of this situation. Or, like, people are like, the Beach House is great because I related to this situation. Relic is great because I related to the situation. And I was like, no, First Cow is actually really cool because it's about, like, living in a self-sustained little community and I mean this I guess maybe is really personal but my my boyfriend has been baking a lot and like making a lot of like things from scratch and if we had a backyard I'm sure we would have chickens kind of thing right at this point so it just like it felt like the perfect movie for this time on top of the fact that I think it's just like perfectly made
1: absolutely and and also just a a, yeah And, and also the there's a There's the you know an undercurrent like the movie's really it's sort of (laughs) relentlessly melancholic, which is a a weird way to say for a movie that's so like slow paced um, to say relentless in any sort of way. But that's uh, I I just feel like that's the best way to put it. Um, But the movie is beautiful, um, and it's like it's a beautiful friendship movie as well. But like underneath it is the sort. I mean, it's really about. I mean, when you get down to it, it's it's about to outcasts um and and one who is an immigrant as well and then you have this sort of like uh you know this sort of like no room for outsiders sort of uh vibe to it um there's also in a weird way a sort of like eat the rich sort of uh element to it um you know maybe that's reading too much but that's kind of how how i felt as certain actions played out Um, i definitely
0: got that kind of yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, so you could see these other elements that also, like, kind of speak to our times as well. Um, so that, fe- or feel like a perfect, like, this is the perfect movie for right now. Um, so it, it's like, it, you know, it's it's a weird sort of, it's a weird balance to pull off something that's so, like, kind of, at one point, gentle, but has all these, like, harsh undercurrents uh, running beneath it. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, and it's much more much more so than like something like Meek's Cutoff um which is another Kelly Reichart film that was it's it's set on the Oregon Trail in in the 1800s and that one um and I wasn't like I know people love that movie I actually wasn't super crazy about it um I there was a lot to appreciate but I just almost found its um I mean her her style is like this sort of like I mean, minimalist is 100% her her mo as a filmmaker, um, and and I love it for for the most part. But that's just one where it kind of like I felt the sort of length and and maybe a little bit of like plotting, um, but I don't feel this movie at all. And I'm 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 both bummed of what you went through and also just bummed in general that like I'm personally bummed I didn't see this movie in the theater. Me too. Um, because it's so, I mean, it's beautiful for number one. And number two, like her movies, just they live in those those quiet moments and those quiet spaces. And so even though it was like, you know, it's still beautiful to watch at home, but it's just like, I feel like the experience of watching this movie in the theater would have been just so, so much, so much better.
0: And I feel really grateful that during the quarantine that my boyfriend had a, pro- he has a projector screen and it has actually... I cannot imagine watching half the movies that I've watched on a TV like this the projector screen actually really does help sometimes some days that I don't have a movie theater to go to but um yeah it's it's a it's a stunning movie and even on a projector I was like I wish I could have seen this like with a giant bowl of popcorn in a movie theater.
1: Same here and and even though actually
0: with a giant bowl of oily cakes I I rephrase that
1: (laughs) yeah i would rather have an oily cake for this one also um i i don't know about you but i'd certainly feel this way um you know given how quiet the movie is often i'd feel like a dick munching on popcorn <laughs> during it in a quiet theater so uh,
0: i eat popcorn slowly or not slowly quietly i eat it slowly and therefore it is quiet so i don't disturb my neighbors so
1: fair enough that's i'm, I'm pretty good at that you're conscientious popcorn here.
0: <laughs> I really am, but no I think first cow is so it's interesting because I found a list of movies that cart kind of um came out with that inspired her and oddly, I'd been doing virtual movie watches like with a, a couple like a friend with some of those movies that we had planned and I got to watch one before we recorded the podcast called Ugetsu, which is a terrible like oversight for me to have not seen, uh, especially since I had the sight and sound uh, goal. A couple of years ago for myself, and on top of that, it's a Japanese film, and it's a ghost story. So there's a lot of slashes against me for waiting 30 years to watch it. But that movie, I instantly saw how it related to First Cow. While they're not the same kind of story, the framing, like a lot of like the shots that she does in First Cow that I love, are like the ones that are through the house, through the windows, through like the doorway. And this movie had it, and I was like, oh, this is where she got it from which is just like kind of fascinating to watch both of them.
1: I desperately need to see that movie. Um, But, um, and yeah, you showed me that list and I I do need, actually I need to see all those movies that are on that list uh, embarrassingly enough. But um, yeah, I mean, and those were some of the shots that I loved most in the movie. I mean, other than just the, um, um, other than just the sort of like landscape shots and just how beautifully it's captured. um, Like those those are some of the, like the, the, Best shots of the movie for me.
0: I agree. I think, yeah, it's it's really special the movie. And I, I it is easily the best movie of the five that we talked about, like low and beyond the best. And I know that many people would like say and argue like, well, Palm Springs is also really good. And I think that is fair that they have that. And I'm glad they do for them. But like First Cow and the way it was made, just in the artistry, like throughout, and then it's like patience with its male characters. It's really lovely, and everything kind of happens for a reason. It unfolds perfectly. Like there's good pathos. It's like it's good script writing.
1: It's excellent script writing, and I guess yeah. it's based. Uh, it's based on a novel, which I do want to check but I out. Think,
0: is her husband? I, I, it might. I may be totally wrong about that.
1: I have to look into that. Uh, could very well be because he wrote uh, most, pretty much everything from Old Joy on um
0: okay yeah then i think it is her husband his novel that she adapted
1: that would make sense i guess other than certain women would be the only one that uh sense that uh he did not write but um
0: i also love how diverse first cow is
1: it is it's very it's very diverse and it's it's um you know and it's sort of like again it just kind of fits that sort of same that like um that sort of like again that sort of like warmth with the sinister undercurrent where it's just like here's the the land of opportunity um but then the, there's only certain amount of opportunity just like jk there's only certain amount of opportunity um and so that that was you know pretty i i loved that and it was also just like kind of heartbreakingly prescient as well yeah
0: like if you're a native american you need to probably marry the rich white guy or you won't find a place in this place uh, or like uh, in orion lee's character he keeps getting shut out of everything from whether it be russians or it be uh the englishmen or the people that are, are the americans that already live there mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of crushing and i i love how i could tell this is oregon uh, immediately but I know that obviously you've lived there and you probably knew as well and it's so nice to see that the wood like she was able to make these woods look so old and of the time still like that's really special I think
1: it's very special and like I mean it's not that she's ever been I mean she's always had a strong I, but like, she's just gotten better, I think, as a filmmaker, as she's gone on. Um, And she was always very good to begin with. Um, But I wanted to mention, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I I thought that was, it's a great improvement on Meek's Cutoff in that way, too. Whereas like Meek's Cutoff, um, again, there's a lot I appreciate about that movie in particular. But one of the other things I wasn't crazy about is like, the, and it's a low budget, it's a low budget movie. So it's like, I, I, I could forgive so much, but it like does feel like they just went out to the central Oregon desert and just shot out there. And then we're just, you know, like it, it didn't, it still looked barely contemporary um, just, and also cause I, I hunted out there as a kid. So it's like, I recognize those areas and so it didn't look as like period appropriate. Whereas first cow looks a hundred percent like, period appropriate um and even the opening which i didn't expect like the cold open to be present day um i also didn't expect it like what it reveals in a lesser movie it would like kind of deflate the tension um but it actually makes it more like oh where is this gonna go sort of thing
0: yeah i agree because i never knew i was like well they died out here so clearly he never got to his oh well i guess I mean, in the cold open, they have that. Yeah. So it's like everything, sometimes they'll say things like they want, they want to move on, like they want to build a hotel or something like that. And you're like, well, they never get to that, but how are they going to die?
1: <laughs> right. And yeah. And then that, even that's just a beautiful grace note as well. Um, you know, yeah. it doesn't like, like over sensationalize what happened. It's just kind of like, okay, I, we know what happened at the, by the point that that happens.
0: Yeah, and I mean you know, and you, you know to an extent, like you get the idea. She puts the pieces, and it's a little open ended. Um, I think, particularly with one character, it's a little bit more open ended than the other. The other one's a little bit more obvious with the right. puzzle pieces they laid out. But yeah.
1: But yeah, I think I'm pretty much right there with you in terms of I this probably. Probably, you know. Upon reflection, probably my favorite movie of the year as well. Um, I know.
0: I, I mean, I've seen like maybe 50 movies this year because of what's going on. And yeah oddly, this weekend I've watched five of them, <laughs> or five of the ones that are like in the running. At least came out this weekend because the other two I watched a couple months ago.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I've watched. I think I probably watched about 40 movies, but yeah, I've watched five new releases this weekend, and yeah, one of them is one of the very best um but yeah I I I liked a lot I I mean I loved it I really can't recommend it enough um and I I understand if people don't want to drop $14.99 on it right now but it will be able to rent in two weeks I believe um so uh if you can hang on definitely check it out it is it's pretty great
0: yeah it it really is it's something special
1: any other thoughts on first cow or we we had a good spot we could probably wrap this up
0: Uh, my only question i guess for you because you just watched all of her stuff would you say this is probably her best work so far
1: i would say it's certainly up there i think this and certain women um are the the two for me Uh, i haven't seen night moves yet that's the only one i haven't watched um but yeah, I think because like her, her earlier films like um like River of Grass and Old Joy, um, I, I think they're they're good, but they're um you know, it's it's just it's just clear that like as she's made more and more movies um and gotten not huge budgets, but like bigger and bigger budgets and more like bigger stars to star in, in her movies. Um that she just she's gotten better without losing that's like similar sort of like minimalistic storytelling i think really when uh like to me wendy and lucy would be the turning point that's the first one she did with michelle williams um and um like once she started getting like you know people like michelle williams and then um i like i said i haven't seen night moves yet but it's got jesse eisenberg and dakota fanning and peter Sarsgaard and um than certain women having Michelle Williams and Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart like she just just worked with different different actors and and has just like improved. Uh and again she was already very good to begin with. Um but yeah I think the first cow and certain women are the two that I would recommend the most.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And good to know.
1: Just, yeah. And certain women I think is on it's on Criterion Channel. So that's how I watched it. So uh in fact, uh I guess that's the last thing I'll say. Um Except for First Cow, all of her movies between Prime and Criterion Channel are streamable. Um, So they're very easily accessible. And um, if, yeah, if you don't want to brush up before First Cow, they're all there. And I, I recommend doing so. Nice. Uh, well, cool. I think that will wrap this episode up. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for guesting on the show. I know it was a lot of movies to talk about, so I'm glad uh, that you agreed to come on and, and go through them. Um, before we wrap up, or where can more people uh, find you online?
0: Um, you can find me online on Twitter, TikTok, sometimes. <laughs> uh, Instagram, whatever. Uh, I use the same at, so it's at Jenny Lee X 33 and it's Lee as an L E I G H. Um, yeah. letterbox too. It's the same across the board.
1: Awesome. Well, similarly, you can find me at Ollie90, R Y O L L I E 90, uh, similarly across all socials. And once again, this episode is a part of the playlist podcast network. So if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcast or of choice, be it Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you'll get this show as well as our other programs, including Be Real, Indie Beats, The Fourth Wall, and anything else that pops up on our feed from time to time. Um, Jenny, thanks again for guesting, and to our listeners, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Dream.